Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. So in, uh, about uh, nine and a half, ten years ago, I guess, um, a group of churches contacted Miska and me and uh, asked if we would come to Charlottesville and help a new community form. And if I'm really honest, um, my first response was absolutely not. Um, I, uh, I didn't feel like I was the sort of person who should um, lead such a thing and still don't. Um, but uh, over about six months, it became really obvious to us that this was something that God was putting um, in front of us. And that group of churches initially was part of the Baptist General Association of Virginia. And from our very first time, once we began to give money away, we began to partner with, uh, it's called the BGAV, we began to partner with the BGAV, primarily emphasizing many of their international uh, works. And over the last couple of years, it's become really obvious that not many of our church actually know what our money is going toward when we give it away. And so we invited Dean to come up. And John, one of our elders, here you go, you can have this. John is going to be the primary guide for our conversation because John's uh, the ministry that he leads called Spence Network is in partnership as well with the, the BGAV. And he knows Dean. And he has a, a long history uh, with this community. And so we wanted to hear some today from Dean about some of the stories of how our partnership your gifts, the way that our community collectively gives our money away, a little bit of what um, we're participating in. So have a seat. <laughs> They're a little wobbly, I understand. <laughs> these actually, these chairs were here our first year. So they're Ikea, 20 bucks. I'm a little surprised they've made it this long. Historical. <laughs> They're historical, right, yeah. How firm a foundation. Right. <laughs> Well, well, thank you for being with us today, Dean. <laughs> thank you. Well, Dean, uh, Dean and I have worked together with the BGAV since 1999 when, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Yes. So uh, just say a, f a few words first, Dean, about who you are and who your family is and what Excellent. brought you there. Love to, love to. Thank you for the invitation to be here. And as we speak, even, you know, we're gathered for worship. So as you hear stories, as you hear these things, hear them in the, in the mindset of worship because there are people around the world that, of which I'm going to speak who are this day worshiping as well. Um, I born and raised in Virginia, Virginia Beach area, uh, felt called into ministry, uh, went to school in, in, in Danville and Averett University, on to Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and then back to Virginia to serve as a youth minister and then to the BGAV in 1999, always serving in missions, uh, feeling a heart for not just hearing about what God is doing, but being an active part in what God is doing. And I've been placed in a position to where I'm able to, one of the best things that I get to see is to see when others hear about what's happening around the world or in their own backyards and the light bulb goes off and it clicks and they say, I can do that and I can be a part of that. So that's one of the biggest blessings for me in the work that I do is being able to share with congregations and to see them as a church or as individuals be able to reach out beyond themselves, whether that's right across the street or halfway around the world, to join God in what God is already doing and to be a part of that. 
And tell us a little bit about Anna and your kids. Oh, absolutely. Can't forget about my wife, who I met at school um, at Averett. Uh, my wife serves a, as a pastor uh, at a church in Richmond, West Hump Baptist Church, that is worshiping uh, at, almost at this moment uh, as well with you. Uh, three children, my two oldest, uh, one boy, my oldest boy is in Savannah College of Art and Design down in Savannah, Georgia. My other son is at uh, JMU, Go Dukes, and he is very proud of their national championship and loving the marching band and uh, doing all those things like that. And then I have a daughter who's 13 who attends middle school there in Hanover County, so... And been married for 26 years now. Awesome. 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 Um, it, it's easy for a number of us to kind of think about our church's participation in the mission of God around Charlottesville and to some extent, you know, in slightly wider circles than that. But it can be difficult unless we have um, some particular interest or connections in how our church is being connected to work overseas mm -hmm. and particularly to some of the global issues that that are um, that can can just seem absolutely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I wanted first to just talk a bit about um, uh, refugee work, and can you maybe say a word of background about what you're involved with, what we're involved with, uh, to address the the crisis, refugee crisis, and some of the the philosophy of how we do that. Sure. Absolutely. Well, the refugee crisis, as you hear in the news, is not, first of all, it's not new. It's biblical, uh, by the way. Jesus was our refugee that we follow and uh, give ourselves to. But uh, refugee work around the world is, is pretty incredible. In fact, we're involved with it here in Virginia as immigrants and refugees find their way to Virginia. And there are... Um, Virginia is one of the leading states in accepting uh, refugees and immigrants into our country. So we're glad to be able to work with those folks. And churches are needed to be involved in that work as well to be able to help uh, immigrants and all get settled. The government only has responsibility for an immigrant for three months. After three months, they're turned loose and said, welcome to America. Um, so the church and others are, are needed to help immigrant families find their way th for all sorts of reasons, through education, health care, jobs, all sorts of things like that. So it's an opportunity right here in your backyard to be involved in refugee work. But around the world, uh, the biggest one that's in the news now is, of course, what's happening in Syria, what's happening all around that region. And um, to make a connection for you that's very direct, back in, I think it was November, I think, of last year, um, uh, your church, All Souls, uh, sent some money to the BGAV that was designated for humanitarian relief. And it came at a very timely um, moment because I had just received a request from our Baptist friends in Croatia. The Baptist General Association of Virginia is part of a larger body. We always think it's important to hitch our wagons to something bigger than ourselves, to be a part of something that's larger than who we are. And part of that is through what's called the Baptist World Alliance. And of that, there are over 200 national Baptist bodies located in over 190 countries around the world. And through that connection that we have, we have access to Baptists all around the world who are doing some incredible work for Christ. And one of those is the Croatian Baptist Union who contacted us and said, we have refugees that are coming to our door. See, they were leaving Syria and coming into the European Union, but their goal was really to get up into Germany and some other places like that. But Croatia was one of their first stops. The Baptists in Croatia realized we have an opportunity. The refugees aren't going to stay in Croatia. Their economy couldn't support it and so on and so forth. But they were the first point. And they decided it's important for us that when those people are coming out of Syria, their first experience outside of Syria is a Christian touch. So they, they set up camp. They were the only group, nonprofit group allowed in this camp because they happened to be in the right place at the right time. 
Refugees would come across the border and they would be met by Croatian Baptists who wore big shirts that said, Jesus loves you. And they just gave them a warm uh, drink. They gave them warm clothes. They found out what they needed. And they were only there for 24 hours, the refugees, before they got on a train and then were shipped um, outside of Croatia. And the Croatians said, we need your help. We need to give these folks, they're coming in with a bag and that's all that they have. And winter's coming. Can, we, can you help us provide them with blankets and with warm clothes and coats so that when they come into our country, we can give them something as they move forward? So you were able to do that. Your funds that you gave were combined with other funds from over 1,400 churches across the life of the BGAV and were sent to Croatia to give them the ability to buy blankets and coats to give to Syrians as they're moving throughout uh, Europe. So that first touch that they have is from Croatian Baptists telling folks who have never heard about Christ potentially, the very first touch is that God loves you and Baptists are here to help you. And that work continues very quickly. Um, uh, Croatia very soon after that closed their borders to refugees. You, you heard all the stories about the problems that we're having. So they closed their borders. The Croatian Baptists said, that's not fair. We can't do that. That's not good of us. What can we do? And they said, well, we're not, gonna, we're not done yet. So they said, where else are, are refugees coming where we can help? So they looked and they said, you know, Greece isn't doing a good job. Maybe we can go to Greece. So they did. They went and they found a Baptist church in Greece and they said, can we come help you? So now we just sent some more funds to help Croatians, Baptists, work with Grecian Baptists to help uh, Syrians who are coming across from the island of Lesbos and other places to have that, again, that first touch of Christ to be able to let them know that somebody cares about them. Uh, hospitality is a beautiful thing. It, it sounds very powerful to have a network of friends, you know, through whom you can, can work. Yep. Can, can you say just a little more about that philosophy of yep. working with people who are of like yep. um, philosophy and faith? Absolutely. We, at the BGAV, one of the things that we're just built upon is that we don't go anyplace by ourselves. And we know that God's working all throughout the world. And we know that there are people of peace located all around the world. And what we want to do is we want to find who those people are. And we want to hitch our wagon to them. And we want to say, how can we come alongside you? We, Americans don't own the gospel. We're not here to take it to you. We're here to come alongside you and find out where God's working and walk alongside you. And how can we do that? So we do that wherever we go. We walk alongside. We, we, we start off usually with the Baptists in the country. And we say, What's your, what's your goal? How, what's your vision for reaching people in your country for Christ? And how can we help you do that? How can we help you accomplish that? What resources can we bring to the table, whether that be financial, whether that be um, individuals, or what can we do to help you? So all, everything that we do is in partnership with, with other like-minded people of peace who want to bring and make Christ known and finding what's happening. Because regardless of what you hear uh, in media and in other places, uh, God is at work in every nook and cranny of this world. And it is hard to find sometimes, yes, absolutely. But God is alive and God, and somewhere in that nook and cranny, there's a person. And there's a person who's doing an incredible work for Christ. And I can tell you story after story, individual after individual. And you know that too, because that's happening, that's happening here in Charlottesville. There are people who are working in that place where nobody wants to go. And those are the kind of people that we want to go in and we want to help and we want to support and we want to make sure that Christ is known. So all that we do is done in partnership in that way. I think that's corroborated every time uh, someone experiences 
fellowship with some a partner, a friend um, in another part of the world, they find out that that faith is definitely a two-way thing, and the people who participate from this side find their faith strengthened as well. Yeah. Uh, shifting gears, another one of the projects that All Souls has been involved in, unwittingly perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, is with some of our uh, Ghanaian Baptist yep. friends. Can you say a little bit about that particularly? Uh, it's, an, it's an incredible story. As I look out, I see a friend here who went with me to Ghana. Um, um, several years ago, our executive director came to us and said, can you help us find um, a place in the world where there's a need that Virginia Baptist can kind of target in and kind of kind of laser focus on a need in the world and go in and, and try to make a difference in that one particular place. And throughout a series of, of times of prayer and hearing some conversations, we all, as a staff, we kind of stepped away thinking about where, where in the world can we go? There's all sorts of places. Just throw a dart and we can go there. And we just started praying and started hearing. And all of a sudden, we, we came back to a meeting <clears throat> And three of us, three of the five of us, had all had a conversation around this particular person in Ghana. And they were separate conversations that had nothing to do with each other, but they ended up centered around this one person. We went, okay, yeah, that's a coincidence by no means. So we said, let's go and find out about this person. His name is Emmanuel Mustafa. We call him Moose is his nickname. And Moose is a former Muslim who uh, converted to Christianity, has a wonderful story. Next time he's here in the States, I will get him to come to your church and share that story if you would like. Um, converted Muslim living in Ghana who had a passion and a vision to plant churches. And he said, you know, I'm going to plant 2,000 churches. And all the others in there said, amen. No, no, they said, they said yeah, right, sure you are. You, you do that. You go right ahead. So he said, okay, I will. So he moved into the northern part of Ghana up in Yendi, the northeast uh, corner of Ghana, and it's very much uh, rural. If you think, if you think stereotypical uh, Africa, where you see the grass and then the, the mud huts, things, that's kind of what, what this area is like. And it's made up of hundreds upon hundreds of tiny villages. Some villages have 75 people, some have 500 people. And Musa's strategy was very simple. He would go in and meet the village chief. Every village has a chief, and he'd say, chief, I'd like to share um, the good news of Jesus Christ with you. Can I, can I do that with your people? And every single chief said yes, except for one. And Moose went back to him later on and convinced him of the error of his ways. So, but Moose would go into these villages and he would just simply start singing songs. Because remember, what you hear about Islam in the news is, is always the bad side. Um, Islam has a basic, has a foundational understanding of God. They know who God is. So you have a foundation to talk to uh, somebody uh, who practices Islam, who's a Muslim. They believe in God. So there's a, there's a base that we could go in and we could share. So Moose would go in and he would share about this fact of you believe in God, but let me tell you, here's the missing link. And he would share about Christ. And he started doing this over and over again. And people started to come to know Christ. And then I went over and I was like, okay, let me see how this works. And I went with him as a church planter. And they went into a village underneath a big tree. They started singing some songs. And all of a sudden, these blue plastic chairs started appearing from um, villages and huts and all sorts of places. And you'd sit down. All of a sudden, 50 or 60 or 75 people would gather. And the church planter would just start, they'd start singing songs. And then they'd say, let me tell you this story. And they would preach seven minutes max. They would share the gospel message. And they would say, who here wants to, uh, wants to receive this free gift? 
and hands would go up and they would call those people forward. All of you who raised your hands and of the 50 to 75 who were gathered, half to two thirds of the crowd would do so. And they'd come forward and they'd say, okay, of you who raised your hands, um, do you want us to start a church here? And they would huddle, huddle, huddle together. They would talk. And all of a sudden they would say, yes, we want to start a church. Great. I need you to find five leaders, one of whom can read. And they would talk amongst themselves. He said, three women and two men. And they would talk and all of a sudden five leaders would come forward and they'd say, okay, you're the leaders of the church. You're the elder. You're the deacons of the church. And they'd go, what? <laughs> See, yep. And which one of you can read? This one? Okay, great. Here's a Bible in your own language. This person is the church planter. He's going to come and he's going to visit you every week. He's going to teach you the message of the gospel. And then you as the church leaders will then disseminate that to your village. We went in and we partnered with them. We said, okay, um, we want to help you plant churches, but, but what is it that, that we can come in and, and make that difference that's not spiritual? There's a spiritual side, but what other else is it? He's like, if you really want to help us in our country, he's like, our children are dying. They're dying from a disease called malaria. He's like, and they are killing us in our region at, at a rate of 90% of the people who live in there will contract malaria at some point in their life, 90%. And of those women, pregnant women, the elderly, and children are dying at an alarming rate. I said, so what can we do? He's like, mosquito nets are the best things that we can do. It's the best way to get rid of malaria. So he said, okay, how much does it cost? So he told us, we put together a plan, it's called More Than Nets. And with More Than Nets, every $10 buys a net and, buys, and helps buy a set of drums and helps bring the gospel message and plants a, village, plants a church in that village. And we said, how many nets do we need? We need 100,000. We need a million dollars to do this. And so far, we're only 25,000 nets away from meeting our goal. And what we've done is we're able to track each one of the villages. We're working in this, in this region that has eight, village, eight regions. We've completely netted five of those regions. And two of them, they all have a, um, a clinic. And those clinics send reports about malaria. And two of them that we completely netted sent in the reports. We had the previous reports for the previous three years and then this year. And those two, in those two uh, regions, in those two areas, malaria dropped by 40%. And the only thing they can, they can attribute that to is the fact that they've been given mosquito nets. So for $10, you're saving, literally saving a physical life of a child and a family and then you're spiritually saving their lives because we're able to go in and plant churches. 435 churches in this region, we've planted 300 so far. And, and thousands have come to know Christ. And the cool thing is, I know the story's getting long, but the cool thing is, when you, when you go there and you kind of don't believe it because, you know, come on, 50 people raise their hands after hearing the gospel message for seven minutes. Come on, you know, you get a little skeptical. I was able to go and I was able to plant one of those churches. <clears throat> we called it West Hunt Baptist Church, named it after our <laughs> church here in Richmond as, as they, their desire to do that. So I went back again and I found out, <clears throat> I went back a year later to West Hunt Baptist Church. And there was the church leader preaching. He had on a Miley Cyrus pink t-shirt, which I thought was kind of, <laughs> I didn't know what kind of message that was sending, but you know. Um, but he's sitting there preaching to them <clears throat> and I see all the people gathered listening to the story and then I was able to preach. And then my interpreter left and went over here. And I was kind of sitting by myself. And all of a sudden, they brought this woman out from the crowd. And they sat her in the middle of the circle. And the preacher started talking. And his words, I, since I didn't understand them, the tone sounded harsh. And I didn't know what was going on. And I kind of made the assumption that this woman had done something wrong. And they were, about, they were shaming her. 
they were about ready to instill some sort of punishment. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And finally, I got the attention of my interpreter. I said, come here and tell me what is going on. He said, oh, this woman's husband just died last month. And the church is sitting around gathering right now to figure out how do they take care of this widow. And he was, he was imploring the congregation, what can you give to take care of this widow? Because that's what the church does. And I was like, mic drop, I'm done. Um, they know what church is. So you are a part of this church planting effort happening in Ghana, as well as providing mosquito nets that are saving lives. That's awesome. Um, in just our last couple of minutes, I think probably the thing that... that um, we're most known for is disaster relief. So just say a brief word about disaster relief, both internationally and anything that we're involved in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, when I think if I remember right, um, I think I saw on your, one of your blogs, your Facebook posts, and I could be wrong, that you saw one of our disaster relief vehicles one day going down the interstate, going the opposite direction that you were going, right? I forget exactly what disaster that was. But Virginia Baptists are involved with, with disaster response, not only in Virginia and our nation, but around the world. And in Virginia, when there's a disaster, um, the emergency management, Virginia Department of Emergency Management has us on speed dial. So if they need food, Virginia Baptists are the first group that they call to say, can you come to this area and provide us with hot meals for this area? Um, we train, we have approximately 3,000 people across Virginia Baptist life who are trained in disaster response. You can be one of those persons. Uh, this is um, not just with disaster response, but all these things I've talked about. Not only can you give and be a part of, but you can be the resource. Not only can your pocketbook be the resource, but you can go and you can be involved in all of these. And disaster response is one of those where when there's a disaster, again, we work with partners all over the place. You might have heard there was tornadoes in Mississippi last night, uh, tore up through Hattiesburg. And there's a lot of people with a lot of disaster relief big toys who are on the way to Mississippi right now. And we're not because we work with partners. So we've already been in contact with Mississippi Baptists to say, hey, do you need us? What do you need from us? And when they call and say, we need you to come and bring chainsaws to cut down these trees so we can get our lives back together, then we're going to be there. Um, if they say, no, you know, there's a lot of states, there's a lot of people between Virginia and Mississippi, we don't need your equipment, but we can use some dollars to help us do this. And uh, how can you help us do that? You might have also heard that there was an earthquake uh, in Papua New Guinea, 7.9 magnitude, they're surveying the damage right now. Um, Papua New Guinea's not near us. <laughs> they're, not, they're not close by, but we're very strongly connected to Australian Baptist Aid. And we're going to be in touch with Australian Baptist Aid who are going to say, hey, Virginia, this is how you can be a part of that. And again, you too can be a part of that. So disaster response is a way that we can reach out and be the hands, be the feet of Christ to people who find themselves in need. And the good thing is, through all of this, um, it's not about All Souls Church. It's not about West Hunt Baptist Church. It's not about the BGAV. It's about being Christ in the world. And we're able to together be a part of that to where we can influence change and we can make a difference in the world. And that's what it means to be part of the BGAV. It's, it's, it's not a members only club. It's just a, it's a vehicle to be a change and, a, uh, and affect change in the world. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.